you want to turn with me to Ephesians 5, we get to get back into Ephesians. Hopefully finish it out here relatively soon together. You can be praying for Pastor Scott and Pastor Spencer. Both of them are sick and ill at home. I think they're weak, but they say they're sick. No, I'm just kidding. It's normally me who's out, so I guess I can't say that. Ephesians 5 is where we left off before Christmas. So I want you to look with me. We're going to focus on verses 18 through 20 this morning. But I want to start in verse 15, just for a little reminder. Actually, go to verse 1. I want to read verse 1 first. Remember, the point of, of chapter 5 is this. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is what Paul is talking about in chapter 5, is we are to be imitators of God, and we're supposed to be loving each other, and so he's going to talk here about what that looks like as we continue on. And so go down to verse 15. It says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then next week we'll look at verse 21 together. In this little section, verses 15 through 21, what we see is we see the Apostle Paul exhort us or encourage us or tell us five different things. Okay, there's five different things that we are to be doing as we imitate God, okay? Number one, we've already talked about in verse 15, be wise. We are to be wise. And so we spent a good amount of time talking about that. Verse 16 says, make the best use of the time. Understanding what James says, that our life is a vapor. But God has given us time on this earth, and we need to make good use of the time that we have. Where the most important thing isn't our 401k, but how faithfully we serve him and honor him and living our life for him. Verse 17 tells us we need to make sure we understand the will of the Lord, and so we talked about that as well. But then in our section today, verses 18 through 20, the command that we are given is to be filled with the Spirit. And then next week in verse 21, that we are, submit, we are to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so none of you will be here next week because none of you want to do that, including myself. Like I said, today it's on being filled with the Spirit. This is something I'm sure that you've heard about before. I think there's a lot of confusion with what it means to be filled with the Spirit uh, is this a one-time thing? Is this something that I can do? Can, can I make sure that I'm filled with the Spirit? What do I do in order to be filled? Can this be predetermined? Can being filled with the Spirit be something that is, that is predetermined? One of the helpful things in reading this passage is to have also the book of Colossians right next to us. 
Ephesians and Colossians were written at the exact same time. They were written by the exact same person, and they were given to the exact same person to go and be delivered to the churches. And so they are parallel passage, passages to each other. And so if you, if you want to flip to something, it'll be on the screen as well, is Colossians 3, verses 16 and 17, because this is the parallel passage with what we're looking at in Ephesians. It says there in Colossians 3, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. These two passages are talking about the exact same thing, and so I'll be referencing that passage as long as our one in Ephesians. But again, our focus here is Ephesians 18, verse 20. Let me, let me read it again so we get it in us. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, which is next week. So the question that is asked is how are we filled with the Spirit Paul goes to an interesting place because the first thing he tells us is something not to do. And he uses this as a comparison. He tells us, do not get drunk. So they have a comparison of getting drunk versus being filled with the Spirit. And what Paul is doing here is his purpose here was not for pastors to then go and preach a sermon on why we should not get drunk. That's not, that is not the point of this section here at all. The point of this section is being filled with the Spirit, and Paul is just giving us an example, a correlation. And he says, do not go about getting drunk with wine. Why? For that is debauchery. And so Paul is pointing out that a Christian life is to be one that is controlled and orderly. If you've ever been around a drunk person, maybe you were that drunk person. You would understand that you were not controlled or orderly. The people that you are around when they are drunk, this is not a way that you would characterize the way they are acting as being controlled or orderly at all. Drunkenness is being out of control, not just with your actions, but also many times with your thoughts. You're not too confident in what you are thinking about. But what Paul compares that to of being filled with the Spirit seems to be the exact opposite. Being filled with the Spirit is something that is actually controlled. Being filled with the Spirit, what we should think about, can reference back to verse 5 as somebody who is being wise. Because that's what we're supposed to do as we imitate God, as we are to be wise. And so being filled with the Spirit would be a thing of, of wisdom. Now sadly, maybe you've come across this, I've seen so-called Christian services where the Holy Spirit is supposedly being poured out, and being poured out is important. I'm using that on purpose, and we're going to talk more about it in a minute. But in fact, as they say the Holy Spirit is being poured out, what we see are a bunch of people acting like they're drunk. There is no order. There's no control. There seems to be no wisdom taking place. It seems to be very chaotic, but this is being said to be the work of the Holy Spirit. And that they are being filled with the Spirit. In fact, people will even advertise that as their church service. Come here and you will see the Holy Spirit being poured out here. 
But the problem with that is being filled with the Spirit is not something you or I can do. I cannot fill myself with the Holy Spirit. You cannot fill yourself with the Holy Spirit. In fact, I cannot fill you with the Holy Spirit. If I could do that, I would buy that stuff up and be pouring it down your throat. In fact, I would pour it down my own throat. But I can't do that. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is not something that can be manufactured. You can't work it up. Instead, what we see is that God breathes his spirit on whom he desires. That's what we see in Scripture. We are filled with the spirit of Christ when we are saved by grace through faith. Ephesians chapter 1, which we've already studied, verses 11 through 14, it says, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we, who are the first to hope in Christ, might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, catch this, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. This is common to hear stuff different than that, though. I, as pastor of this church, feel the need to push back to something I've heard many times. And it's very fitting that Pastor Dave is here and he's, he's in the position or trying to be in the position that he's trying to fill. Missions, music. Now, for most of us, when we hear that, all we hear is music. But I've heard many times be said, Pastor Tim, we got to make sure the music is done well here. I'm like, okay, why? Because it'll enable you to get up there and preach well. You see, if we sing well, it'll prepare the Holy Spirit to be ready to work in this place. It'll prepare for me to be filled by the Holy Spirit. And I got to tell you, that's not true. That's not true. The Word of God is just as active as if I just came up here and sung, and it was horrible. It's still just as active. If one of you guys came up and sung and you just did a horrible job, I got to tell you, I'm just as excited to come up here and preach the same message. Because it doesn't need to be manufactured. It's not something that you have to boil in a pot and stir it up so that it can be ready to go. I don't need to charge your batteries. If the work of Christ on the cross didn't charge your batteries already, you're out of luck. I can't do it for you. It doesn't work. I can't come and jump start you. I can't give you a good enough hug to prepare you. And we can't sing well enough to prepare you. You were filled with the Holy Spirit completely when you were saved by God's grace. And reminding you of that is what we should do. And understanding that is what prepares us to then come into worship together. You see, this word being filled or fill is an interesting word here. And if you were in Sunday school this morning, you already should know where I'm going with this because we already talked about it in Sunday school in a different passage. But the word fill here, and this kind of gets complicated, but please stay with me. This comes from Sinclair Ferguson in his 
uh, book on Ephesians. The word fill here is written in the present tense. So we are to understand it this way, that it is an ongoing reality. It's not a once and for all event, right? But it's also written in the imperative mood. So this is what this means. It is a command that we are to obey. Now, I know that there's going to be pushback now because I said, when you were saved by God's grace, you were filled with the Spirit. That sounds like a once and all event. And you also said, Pastor Tim, that I couldn't do that work, but now you're telling me that it's a command that I'm supposed to obey, to be filled. Well, this is why it's so interesting, because it is written in the passive voice, which means simply this. We do not fill ourselves. Rather, we receive the Spirit's fullness. We are filled with Him, and we are commanded to keep on being filled with the Spirit. And so Sinclair Ferguson would go on to say this, the way in which we obey the command to be filled with the Spirit is by responding to the Word of Christ, making room for its influence, giving our minds to its truth, our hearts to its teaching, and our wills to its obedience. To be under the influence of the Word is to place ourselves under the Lordship of the Spirit. We are to actively be in the presence of of the teaching of the Word of God, being under the Word of God, allowing the Word of God to work in our lives and in our minds and in our hearts, growing us, right, making us into the image of Christ. This is being filled with the Spirit continually and daily. Yes, you are fully filled when you are saved by God's grace, yet the Bible commands us, keep on being fully filled. I know in our logic that doesn't fully grasp but keep on being fully filled. This is why the writer of Hebrews would say, do not neglect, do not forsake assembling together. Why do you assemble together? For one reason, to be under the word of God together. To keep on being filled with the spirit. That's what Paul is talking about here. And so what then Paul then goes on to do in verses 19 and 20 is he talks about the results of being filled with the spirit is if we are filled with the Spirit, if God has saved us by His grace and he, He's filled us with the Spirit, what are the results of that? And so again, I've heard of people say, I just need, I need the presence of the Holy Spirit to come into my life, something special right now. I think you need to be careful when you say that stuff. You are filled with the Spirit. And I think this is the result of being filled with the Spirit. Ready, number one is fellowship. Notice the first thing Paul says in verse 19. Addressing one another. Now he goes on to talk about singing, which we're definitely going to get to this morning. But he doesn't say, just sing to the Lord a melody in your heart. He says, sing to each other. Addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And so we see again here, Paul pointing out that we are saved into a community. You're not saved just to be on an island all on your own. We are actually a part of the body of Christ together. And we are united in Christ. I cannot think of anything within the church that has been attacked more over the last two years than the fellowship of the church. I mean relentlessly attacked, not just from the outside, but from within. Where there's this understanding that I don't really need to be gathered together. I can watch it on the internet. It's the same thing. 
I'm still hearing the singing. I'm still hearing the preaching. i got to tell you, you're missing something. The Bible tells us we are to be together. The new big craze, I don't know if you've heard about this, Facebook changed its name to Meta. Have you seen that? Meta is its new name. And so now the big craze in churches is churches are creating Meta campuses. What that is, is you buy your VR goggles that you will put on, and you will feel as if you are in a church, except everybody's a cartoon. The person next to you, you might say, hey, there is, there's Dave, but it's Dave's avatar. And there's the avatar, and there's the avatar, but you are immersed in this experience. Because they said you couldn't have true fellowship when you're staring at a screen. You must be immersed in it. Now, they're getting something right there. That is true. But the way they've immersed us is they've separated us even more. Because now I don't even realize what room I'm sitting in in my house. I'm immersed in it. And what you watch is you watch a live feed of a church service. This isn't cartoons. This is a real band singing songs. This is a real preacher preaching a sermon. And now I heard this pointed out, and I think they're correct. It's interesting that the person preaching is not a cartoon. Or that the band isn't a cartoon. Now, why wouldn't they do that? I think some of that's pride. They want you to see who they are. Not their fake avatar. But this is the new way to reach a generation, they say. Your church should have a meta service. Now, that's something that will never happen as long as I'm here. If you want that to happen, you can let me know and I'll quit. Because there is no fellowship in that. And God has brought us together in Christ to form the body of Christ together. And the fact is, I desperately need you. And you desperately need me. We can't do that through a screen. We can't, we can't do that when we are apart from each other. You would never encourage your kid to have a long-distance relationship with somebody. I know you wouldn't. Why? It just doesn't work. It just doesn't make sense. You have to be together to make it work. And the same goes here. Paul says, those who are filled with the Spirit will fellowship together. They will understand their need for each other and they will be together. Remember the parallel passage. Colossians says the same thing. Teaching and admonishing what? One another. One another. We do this together. This leads to the second thing. A result of being filled with the Spirit or a church family that is filled with the Spirit. One is fellowship, but two is teaching. There will be teaching. Being filled with the Spirit plays itself out in the fact that we do not only fellowship together, but when we fellowship together, we are doing this to teach and admonish one another. And so teaching each other is a way to remind each other what we know is true and vital in our faith. This is what we do. We're not teaching because we think we're better than each other. right? We're not trying to lord over each other. We're trying to remind each other the great truths of the gospel, the great truths of God's word so that we can survive this chaotic world and crazy world. That's what we're doing. We're worshiping him. We're honoring him. And so a spirit-filled person is one who has a desire to know God more through his word. It broke my heart the other day. I was talking to an old friend of mine. 
and he was telling me how to fix the church. And I was listening to him, and he told me that we do preaching all wrong, and preaching should be multiple people. He's like, haven't you ever had a thought? When someone was preaching, haven't you ever had a thought that you just felt like you needed to say? And I'm like, yeah, that happens all the time. I mean, every conversation I have, I wish the person would be quiet so I could talk now. I mean, that's what I'm thinking in my head. I didn't say it. Yeah, I've thought that. He said, see, this is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gave me something that now I need to share. But he said something very important that caused me great heartache. He said, I don't even need my Bible for this. In fact, I don't even want you to tell me what you're going to preach. I don't want to read it. I don't want to know it. I just want to let the Holy Spirit prompt me what to say to the congregation. Don't you think that would better your church? No. No, you're telling me that what's going to better our church is leaving the Word of God out of it? No. You think in your logic you have something to say that we all need to hear? No. And far be it for me to think I have something to say that everybody needs to hear that is separated from the Word of God. No. We come together to know the Word of God and somebody filled with the Spirit has a desire to simply know His Word, to be taught His Word, to be admonished by His Word, to be rebuked by His Word when necessary. And we do this together. How? Well, we do it by gathering together to hear his word preached. We do it when we gather together in Sunday school. We do it when we gather together in our home groups throughout the week. We do it in our discipleship classes. But the Bible also tells us we do it through singing. Because that's what Paul says. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Singing or praise. This is the third effect of a spirit-filled life. The natural response to being filled with the Spirit is to sing the praises of God. If all this is true, Ephesians 1 through 3, all that He has done for me, if all of this is really true, then what my heart wants to do is sing a song to Him. Please notice we do not sing so that we can be filled with the Spirit, as I've already mentioned. We do not sing because we want the Spirit to come. We sing because we are filled with the Spirit. That is why we sing. Singing is a response to the truth of God's Word in our lives. We do not sing to bring the Spirit's present with us. This is very wrong, and in fact, it's what we pulled away from during the Reformation. This is what the Catholic Mass teaches. The Catholic Mass teaches that through the Eucharist, we will bring Christ to you. Here he is. Here he is. Come and take of him. Don't you love us? We are giving you Christ. Take of him. Now, as good Baptists, we're not going to say that. But we will say, come and listen to us sing, and we will give you Christ. Be ready to be filled with the Spirit as we sing. It's no different than the Catholic Mass. And so we have to be careful with that. We sing because we have been filled with the Spirit. You say, Pastor Tim, I think you're exaggerating. Let me give you an example. Many of you might know of Bethel Music. This is a church, I believe, out in California, which makes sense. Uh, 
But on their webpage, you can find this. The purpose of Bethel Music and the music they produce is they say this very blatantly. They want to bring his presence to the audience. That is their purpose. They've gone so far as to say that when they rent movie theaters out and they have a worship service, it has been known that the people who come in and watch the next three movies all of a sudden receive the Spirit because of how much they filled that place with the Spirit. This is wrong. This, this is actually heresy. This is so far pushed off the gospel message And maybe you don't know it. You probably do not know it, but you know songs that they write. You know them by heart. I know them by heart. They're on the radio all the time. We have requests to sing them in the church. And people will say, well, why wouldn't you sing that song? This is why. Their theology is wrong. And if we are people of the word, I'm not going to sing a song just because of the melody. I'm not going to sing a song just because it's catchy. In fact, there are so many songs way better than Christian music that are way catchier and that I like better. And so I can't sing that song if this is the purpose of why they wrote that song because they think they are parting to me, Christ. Only Christ can give himself to me. You can't do it for him. And so we sing, why? In order to teach one another. That is the purpose of our singing. We have been filled with the Spirit. We want to praise God for what he has done for us already. It comes out in singing, but Paul says, make sure that when you sing, it is done to teach. It is done to admonish each other. Therefore, Paul places great importance on what we sing. He says, when you come together to sing, the songs need to speak of the truth of the Lord. And so songs about Jesus and what he has done for us, these are the songs that we should sing. Songs to remind us of his faithfulness and his goodness to us. Songs that will equip us and train us to know him better. These are the songs we need to sing. Again, not songs because the melody is good. Not songs because of the state that it puts me in. That's paganism. That's how the pagans worship. They worship based on mood. They worship based on feeling. We worship based on truth and what God has done for us. And so we have to be careful about that. Now let me sidestep because I know what some of you are thinking. Pastor Tim, you hate music. No, I don't. I don't hate music. I hate bad music. I hate music that leads people astray. I hate music that when people come to me and say, oh my gosh, I went to the best worship service ever. And I'm like, where was it? It was at the Palace of Auburn Hills. And I'm like, okay, what was the word preached? No, not really. But I mean, we sang songs and it was awesome. And it was true worship with the body of Christ. No, it wasn't. It was great entertainment. It was good entertainment. It was entertainment that I'd say, good, I'm glad you went. That's awesome. I'm glad you had a good time. I hope some of it was edifying. But that's not what we do here every Sunday morning. That's not what this word is talking about, of what your church should be. Again, I know this is difficult, and I know, again, Pastor Tim, you're saying this because you hate music. No, I don't. Ask my daughter. She's right back there. We sing together all the time in the car. All the time. I don't hate it. 
I hate where oftentimes it takes people. And to be honest, it's not to Christ. It's away from Christ. And we just need to be careful about it. God gave us music, and it is a gift that he has given us, but he's given it to us to praise him and to know him. In fact, if you look in your Bibles towards the middle, he's wrote for us very beautifully 150 songs for us to sing. They're called the Psalms. We usually read one every service. These are songs that were given us to know, to memorize, to quote, and to sing. They're songs written by the Holy Spirit for us to sing to Him. But sadly, very often we neglect those because we can think of something better. You see how that logic is flawed? I think I can think of something better. No, you can't. He's given us these songs to sing. But that leads to the question, well, what are psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs? I mean, it says three things. Well, an honest truth, probably not a lot, differentiates those three words. But it seems to be some understanding amongst a lot of people that there are some differences. That psalms probably means a word put to music with an instrument. Because a lot of times you'll see in the psalms that it'll say, play this with this instrument. Hem. It's not what we used to have in the pews. This is not referencing Bill Gaither. I mean, we like to think that. I know we love those old hymns, and that's great. I I like those old hymns too. But it wasn't written yet. So what does hymns mean? Well, hymns simply just means a song to praise God in recognition of his greatness. And not necessarily with instruments. The Psalms is more the instrument thing. And then spiritual songs just seems to mean a song that belongs to the Spirit. A song that belongs to the Spirit, not even to us, but to the Spirit. I say all that to point out this. When it comes to the New Testament, there's not a lot written about music. I know that music is very important and singing is very important. We see this here, and it should be a part of our worship. But when you boil the New Testament down... There's really only two references to us singing, and I've already read them for you this morning. It's this passage in Ephesians and the passage in Colossians. Now, we do see Christ leaves after the Lord's Supper, and they sing a hymn together. We do see the Apostle Paul in jail singing, it says, that they're singing together. So we see a couple references of people singing together, but we really have no references of people gathering together to worship and singing And then we're only given these two instances of being told to sing. Now, I don't know about you, but when I look at the New Testament and I look at all of the verses and all of the things that we are taught in the New Testament and told to do, I feel like we take a lot of time and put a lot of emphasis on singing when I don't know if the Bible really does. That's just my take on what I see there. Because I'm being honest, when I talk to our congregation, the number one complaint I always get has to do with singing. It's never how I feel loved here. It's never, I don't think we actually believe the Bible. It's not, I think we're teaching a different gospel. It's not, I don't have opportunities to learn here. I don't have opportunities to fellowship here. I don't have opportunities to grow here. I've actually never heard any of that before. Almost 100% of the time, it's music. 
And that's heartbreaking because, again, the Bible talks about it two times in the New Testament. Sing. Now, hundreds of times it says, love each other well. Hundreds of times, give grace to each other. Be kind to each other. Share with each other. Be there for each other. Evangelize to each other. I mean, we can find instance after instance of these types of things. But yet, what divides is music. You say, Pastor Tim, why don't you like music? That, that would be the reason. That would be the reason. And what we need to guard against as Monroe Missionary Baptist Church is allowing music, a gift that God has given us to worship him, be what divides. That's ridiculous. We can't allow that to be our legacy as a church family. Yes, we sing, and we should sing well, and we should care about what we sing, but we do it not to bring us together. I don't want our singing to be good to bring outsiders in, because to be quite honest, if I went to my lost friends and said, you know why you should come to our church? Our music. They're going to say, I couldn't care less about Christian music. You guys are all so corny. That's what they're going to say. I mean, it could be the best thing ever. They're not going to come for this, and I don't want them here for this. I want them here because God is changing their heart by his word and the truth of it. So let's keep music as the gift that God has given us to worship him. Because look at the last thing that proves that we are filled with the spirit. The effect of being filled with the spirit. It's fellowship. It's teaching. It's singing together of what we have the privilege to do. Verse 20. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. An effect of being filled with the Spirit is being thankful. A life filled with the Spirit is shown by your thankfulness and your gratitude to God for what He has done in your life. When God saves us and He is working in our lives, we have everything to be thankful for. Everything. Instead of looking around for God to fill us with the Spirit, we know He's filled us with the Spirit. And we know that He continues to fill us with the Spirit each and every day through His Word, through the songs that we're even singing, through all of these things. And this makes us even more thankful for His steadfast love in our life. We want to sing to Him. Why? Because He loves me even though I don't deserve it. I have a desire to be taught and hear from his word. Why? Because his word tells me he loves me despite of myself. I want to gather with you guys and fellowship with you guys. Why? Because you're in the same boat as me. A sinner saved by the grace of God through Christ. And that's what binds us together. You don't judge me and like me based on how good I am or any of this stuff. The reason you like me is because I am like you. A sinner saved by grace. And that's why we love each other. And that's why we care for each other. And that's why I should be willing to take my shirt off and give it to you if you need it. I should be willing to lay my, my life down and help by any means. And you should be doing the same for me and for each other. Why? Again, not because I like you. Not because you like me. But because he loves us. And he's brought us together. This is the result of being filled with the Spirit. 
It's not something we manufacture. It's something God makes us to be through Christ. People who fellowship, people who teach, people who sing, and people who are marked by thankfulness. I think a big question for your life and for mine, I ask myself this all the time, and to be honest, I fail a lot. I fail in this so often. Tim, the people who come around you, do they leave thinking, man, that guy just has a joy in his heart and is thankful? Honestly, probably most of the time it's no. But that should be how it is. If, if God is real in my life and what he has done, people should see how extraordinarily happy I am because of Christ and what has happened. How, how extraordinarily glad I am to be able to gather together with other Christians every week knowing that we love and care for each other. How thankful I am to do that. But yet I, just like many of you probably, will go home and someone will say, how was service this morning? It was fine. There wasn't many people there. There's a lot of people that, who should have been there. I saw them this week. I don't know why they weren't there. Right? I mean, that's what goes through my mind. Maybe in your conversations, is, it was all right. We sang one song that I liked. The other ones I didn't really care for. They did a big thing with the sound this morning. His mic was messed up, threw me all off. I mean, what a life of thankfulness, right? Again, I'm not throwing you under the bus because I'm the exact same way. The exact same way. Let us be what Christ has made us to be. He's filled us with the Spirit. So let us then be people of thanks and gratitude for his greatness in our life. He has done the impossible in you. Remember when the disciples would ask him, who in the world then can be saved? And Jesus would say, oh, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And you are living proof of that if you're a Christian this morning. The impossible happened. Somebody dead was raised to life. A sinner was made perfect. And that's you. And we have so much to be thankful for because it wasn't because of you. It wasn't because of me. It was because of him. He's done that for me. And therefore, I'm thankful. And therefore, I have a song to sing of praise to him and to him alone. Amen. Let's bow together. Let's pray. Pastor Dave's going to come up and the team there, and they're going to lead us in a song. Every single week, we end service this way. And there's a purpose behind it. And maybe there's some confusion to why we do this. We do this, number one, because we believe the response to the word of God should be praise and singing like we just read. We should sing. But there's a second reason we do this, and it's for you to respond to the word of God, of what you just heard. Maybe there's something in your life that you need to confess to the Lord, and you have time now to do that. Maybe God is opening your eyes to the truth for the first time, and maybe you're saying, I need to put my trust in Christ. This is the time to do that. Or maybe it could be many other things, I don't know, but it's a time for you to respond to the preaching of the Word of God and to sing praises to Him. I trust you'll do that. 
God, thank you for your word and the truth of it. God, I hope that I was able to step aside. I, you know my heart. I've been worried about this passage for a long time. God, I know how some issues can be tough in different areas. And God, I do think for us, singing is one of them. And God, even though this passage isn't specifically about singing, it's about being filled with the Spirit. God, I, I pray that we've heard that and we know that. God, I, I thank you that you have filled us with the Spirit. It's, it's not something that each week we have to manufacture up on this stage and then give to those who come. God, I, I can't imagine bearing that weight each week. But God, being filled with the Spirit is something that you have done for us through Christ and through Christ alone. And so, God, the command to keep being filled with the Spirit is to put ourselves under the Word of God and the direction of the Word of God every day. And so, God, help us to actively be doing that, to be faithful, yes, to church service together. And, God, many who need to become faithful to that again, yes. But, God, us help us to be faithful to that each day, the reading of your Word. God, in the music that we listen to and sing to you, that it would be glorifying to you. God, that as we sing together as a church body, that we're doing it to fulfill what you've called us to do here, to praise your name, but also to teach and admonish each other with it. God, I'm thankful for the songs that I've been taught over the years in this church that remind me of your truths. Songs I don't even think about, but then I just find myself maybe humming and then it dawns on me what those words are and the truth that lies within those words and then the joy that it brings to my heart. And God, I pray that it would be same, the same for generations to follow. God, I pray that the teaching would be honorable to you, that would be spirit-filled teaching in our Sunday school classes from this pulpit. God, in whatever we do as a church, God, I pray that we would fellowship together well, that we would, we would enjoy each other's presence, that it wouldn't be just a club atmosphere where we're just together like other clubs and groups, but that we come together in the name of Christ, our Savior, to love each other well, because by that, your word tells us the world will take notice. And God, give us a heart of thankfulness to be so overwhelmed with joy and gratitude for what you've done for us through Christ. God, the world has so much to offer, many riches, many luxurious things, power, fame, all kinds of stuff is thrown at us each and every day. But God, I, I pray that we could honestly say as believers, just give me Jesus. And he's given himself to me and so I have everything. I need. God, we thank you. God, as we sing this last song, I do pray that it would be praise lifted up to you from our hearts. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.